Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I am still in Washington, D.C. In fact, I had lunch with Vice President Pence today uh, in the White House mess, which is in the West Wing underneath the Oval Office. A very, very nice setup there. He's, he and the president have a private dining room and went in there and, and had lunch, about an hour and a half conversation with the vice president. We will get into that discussion and what we talked about in part. The parts I'm allowed to tell you about. Also, looks like he's going to be coming to the resurgent gathering in August. Um said he was very interested in coming to that. Uh, very much wants to be on stage with me and have conversations on policy and whatnot. Uh, we'll get there, but we got to get into the Michael Cohen stuff before we get into lunch with the vice president. That's the big news. The bigger news, really, is Pakistan and India. Uh, you know, I was delayed having lunch with the vice president. We were, he was about 20 minutes late coming to lunch with me because he was having to have a briefing on the issue. Um, big deal in India and Pakistan, and I realize it, it's kind of outside of anybody's thinking here, but it's actually bigger news than Michael Cohen, and frankly, it's bigger news than the president in Vietnam. Uh, there has been a series of terrorist attacks in northern India, and the Indians, fed up with it, have allowed the military to go into Pakistan and begin bombing. It's, it's not a good situation. Both are nuclear powers and rather destabilizing. Now, on to, on to Michael Cohen. I'll get into that here in a little while. Let, let me just give you a general overview before we play some of the clips. Um, even Democrats are coming up. Dianne Feinstein, for example, Senate uh, ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, or uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, saying today that uh, Michael Cohen really doesn't have any credibility. So she had on the House hearing, but uh, this is not something she's paying attention to because Cohen's a liar. He actually said today, we'll get it. Jody Heiss, uh, George's own, made a great point. I'm actually interviewing Jody Heiss tomorrow as well. But but Heiss made a great point that, you know, Michael Cohen says he lied, but he's not a liar. Definitionally, he is a, he is a liar. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But it, Cohen does have credibility problems. I do have to say, as an aside, you know, I, I love Hannity, but it, it's just, it's hilarious to me to hear Hannity tearing Cohen a new one on radio today when when Cohen was a frequent guest on his radio show as long as he was a yes man for the president. And in fact, Hannity had Cohen on when I uninvited Trump from the Red State gathering in 2015. Hannity was going to have me on uh, to defend myself. And, and he had Cohen come on first and, and savage me, had him on radio uh, right before my show started. He had Cohen on to attack me and then had him on TV that night was going to let me come on TV, and then at the very last minute, right before my interview, canceled it and had Cohen go into my interview time to continue attacking me. So it's kind of funny to hear Hannity turn on Cohen the, the, for turning on the president. He's, I mean, it's just the whole thing. Listen, you, you, you lie down with pigs in the mud and the dogs, and you're going to get fleas and muddy when you stand up. We'll make that an Ericksonism. I mean, it's just, you don't do this. All these people backbiting and stuff, That, but the ultimate point from the Cohen hearing today is none of you changed your mind. Nobody is changing their mind. Uh, Democrats, by the way, they're now funding the Michael Cohen uh, legal team. Democrats are flooding donations into Michael Cohen's legal defense team today because he told them what they wanted to hear. And that's kind of the point here. Michael Cohen has a pattern of telling people what they want to hear. Listen, let me let me lay some things out. And I told the vice president this today. 
I still have all of my concerns about President Trump's character. For Michael Cohen to get in front of a congressional hearing and under oath say the president's a terrible person with bad character, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the president has terrible character. This is nothing new. That's not why people are voting for the president. Now, I, I as I told a senator yesterday who was asking me why I decided I'd vote for the president in 2020, uh, just because the Democrats have a smile on their face doesn't mean they have good character. The president does have bad character. I mean, let, let's, let's not dance around the fact that the president was cheating on his pregnant wife with a porn star. And then paying the porn star off so she wouldn't reveal it right before the election. Let's not let's let's not dance around that. Now, uh, Democrats would have you believe that this is a campaign violation and the president's going to go up a creek for this. The problem here is that the president has a pattern and practice of doing this. As Michael Cohen testified today, uh, the president has a had a pattern and practice of paying off porn stars and others so that they would not Peter Piper picked to pick up a couple puppers. I'm telling you, there are lots of peas in this. Paying off porn stars uh, so they wouldn't wouldn't tell anybody that they were doing this. And the campaign law is very clear that if you have a pattern and practice of doing things prior to running for office, when you do run for office and the pattern and practice continues, it's not considered a campaign expense. I was a campaign finance lawyer, folks. I, this, this is in the rules. The president has a long history of having affairs with women and then paying them to keep quiet and paying the National Enquirer to help them suppress the story. So it's not like he's doing something new here. We all know the president has terrible character, but is anybody who listened today convinced that, oh, I was supporting the president, but now I'm hearing all the stuff I was hearing for years and suddenly I'm going to change my mind? Cohen himself has credibility problems. But honest to goodness, can I just in all honesty say that Congress having televised hearings is an embarrassment? I mean, the hearing made for good TV for people who like to watch train wrecks and, and live stream suicides. But for the rest of us, it was terribly awkward. I mean, the, the confrontations with the Republicans were kind of gross. The Democratic questions were seedy. None, none of this should make us proud. Congress does a terrible job doing these sorts of live TV things. They, they should take the cameras out. They really should. They would probably do a better job and be more reasonable both sides if they if they had the cameras gone. And I do have to say, Chris Christie, of all people, made a very good point today. Notice the Republicans didn't challenge Michael Cohen on what he was saying or defend the president's behavior, because it really is indefensible. When your wife is six, seven, eight months pregnant and you're sleeping around on her with a porn star and paying the porn star to keep quiet, that's really not defensible. And any of you who think it is defensible, you, you got real problems. It's really not defensible. But it doesn't move the needle. You had Democrats come out of the hearing today, go on MSNBC and, and say they're actually more interested in the Russia stuff, that this other stuff was already known. And that's kind of the point of it. Uh, this was designed to embarrass the president while he has his, his summit with North Korea. And otherwise, it doesn't really move the needle on anything. OK, I, I want to go on and play some one bit of the audio. This is Representative Gosar from Arizona. Uh, he's trying to. Well, he, he's in his, his five minute period where he can ask Cohen questions and. Well, there's a point that needs to be made, but first you need to hear the clip. Clip one. A disgraced lawyer. I mean, you've, you've been disbarred. And so um, I'm sure you remember, well, maybe you don't remember. Duty of loyalty, duty of confidentiality, attorney-client privilege. I think the gentleman over your right side 
actually understands that very, very well and wouldn't do what you are doing here today. So let's go back at this credibility. You want us to make sure that we think of you as a real philanthropic icon, that you're about justice, that you're the person that somebody would call at 3 o'clock in the morning. No, they wouldn't. Not at all. You saw Mr. Comer uh, dissect you. Right in front of this committee, you con conflicted your testimony, sir. You're a patholog pathological liar. You don't know truth from, from, tr from falsehood. Sir, so I'm sorry. Now, are you, you, know, are you referring to me time. or the president? Hey, this is my time. <laughs> are you referring when to I me, ask sir, or the president? When I ask you a question, yes. I'll ask for an answer. Sure. But he never did. Paul Gosar never actually asked a question. Now, last week there was a testimony on Capitol Hill in the House involving Elliot Abrams. Elliot Abrams has been a staunch defender of democracy around the world. He is involved with the Secretary of State in trying to undermine Maduro in Venezuela. And, and uh, Representative Omar from Minnesota, the, the, the left-wing anti-Semite, she filibustered him in her five minutes to ask him questions. She never asked him questions. She basically smeared him, smeared his career, called him names, uh, clearly didn't know who she was dealing with or his track record. And Gosar from Arizona is one of the members of Congress who ran to the nearest camera and microphone and attacked her and the Democrats for using their five minutes not to ask questions but to assail the witness. And today he's doing the same thing. This is what I'm talking about. Nobody really handled themselves well here. One of the very, very few people on Capitol Hill today who was able to draw out something new and interesting was our own Congressman Jody Heiss. Our own Congressman Jody Heiss asked question to Michael Cohen in a way that elicited new information that shows, well, let's play the clip. Listen for yourself. Clip two. It's five minutes, all right? All right, thank you very much. Mr. Heiss, you have five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Cohen, you claim that you've lied, but you're not a liar. Just to set the record straight, if you lied, you are a liar by definition. You also said a moment ago that the facts are inaccurate. If they are facts, they are accurate, and that would make you inaccurate. But I'd like to take a moment to, uh, I'd like to know who you consulted with to prepare for today's hearing, Lanny Davis, and who else? I consulted with my counsel, Lanny Davis, as well as Michael Monaco. All right. Uh, did uh, you or Michael or Lanny Davis or anyone else cooperate with the Democratic majority to prepare for this hearing? Um, I'm sorry. Say that again, please. Did, anyone, did you or anyone else on your team cooperate with the Democrat Party in preparing for this hearing? Uh, we've, we've spoken to the party. Okay. Did you prepare with Chairman Cummings or anyone on your team? I'm sorry, what do you mean by prepare? Prepare for this hearing. Prepare? I prepared with my counsel. Did I you prepare with, with any, the Democrat majority or Chairman Cummings? We spoke with Chairman Cummings and the party. With uh, Chairman uh, Schiff? Spoke with Chairman Schiff and his, part, and, uh, his people as well. So, wait a second. E e Michael Cohen was saying he coordinated with the Democratic Party? He said the party multiple times, at least four times in there. He referenced the party after Jody Heiss asked him if he coordinated with Democrats. Four times he said the party. And also Schiff and with Cumming and with their people. He prepared this testimony. And see, this is the point of, of the, the big problem I have today. This hearing was not designed to elicit any new information. In fact, the Democrats probed on Russia. You had several Democrats come out of there and say they were vastly more interested in the Russia situation than they were the president paying porn stars. 
and yet we didn't really learn anything today. We learned some speculation that Michael Cohen has, speculates that there was something going on. We learned that he believes the president was involved in something, but he has no direct knowledge of it. About the only thing that, that, that Michael Cohen made news on was he says he walked into the president's office when he was talking to Roger Stone shortly before the WikiLeaks incident. And that the president, uh, that he overheard Roger Stone telling the president the information was coming. Which, by the way, then is a clear indicator that the president did not coordinate releasing that information. That it was already coming. And that the president, this was the first time the president knew. That's actually, that. that's big news. It also undermines the Democrats' case. Which is why it's not the big buzz this afternoon. And that's kind of the problem. We really didn't learn much of anything useful or new. This was just designed to distract from the president meeting the North Koreans in Vietnam and giving the Democrats something to, to placate their base with. We'll be back. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, when Jonathan Last from then the Weekly Standard, now he's over at the Bulwark, good friend of mine, uh, recommended Calm for my kids. I thought he was nuts. It just sounds like a bunch of hooey. Um, but my kids were listening to sound machines at night and thought, you know what? Let's try this. Uh, so I got a call map and now I'm a premium member for calm. Uh, it is in my house every night with my kids. In fact, we have one of those Internet things that blocks out the Internet after 10 p.m. on their devices. and I had to figure out how to open a gateway just for calm because the kids love it so much. So what is calm? Well, it's the number one app to help you reduce anxiety and stress and to help you sleep better. And that's why my kids use it. Over 40 million people around the world have downloaded Calm. I am one of them. My kids both use Calm. If you head to calm.com slash Eric, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. It includes brand new meditations every day. There are sleep stories. There are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. You can head off to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry or explore the moodlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They even have soothing music and more. One of my kids likes to listen to the stories. The other one likes to listen to music. Right now, listeners to my show get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Ericsson. I'm sorry, calm.com slash Eric. Don't use Ericsson, just use Eric. Get calm and stop stressing at calm.com slash Eric today. It's Eric Erickson, the phone number here on Atlanta's Evening News, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I am in Washington, D.C., came up here to have lunch with the vice president. Uh, it was actually going to be tomorrow, but they asked if I could move it to today, rearrange my schedule so I could make it happen. Very nice facility uh, in the White House. So they have a private dining room area in the White House mess. So they have a to-go window where anyone who works in the White House can go get a meal, go back to their office and work. And then they also have a, a private boardroom for the president and vice president and their guests. And the vice president took me in, uh, had a great had a great hour and a half lunch with the vice president uh, today, uh, talking about uh, how I might be able to help them in 2020 and him coming to the Resurgent Gathering Conference in Atlanta in August. Uh, by the way, if you want to come to the Resurgent Gathering, you can text the word Atlanta to 345-345. Uh, and come. Uh, we've also invited Nikki Haley yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, not sure if she'll commit yet, um, but it was good. Uh, and we also talked about the state of play in 2020. 
And an interesting conversation there. I will tell you the advice that I gave to the vice president, the thing that I hope the president will start pointing out on the campaign trail. He liked the idea. It is Eric Erickson here at Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I gotta read a tweet from someone who's listening right now. Uh, he so the tweet is, "What proof do you have?" And the person is anonymous. They're always anonymous. They're never brave enough to use the real name. Uh, what proof do you have that Trump actually had a relationship with Stormy? Lanny Davis, Avenatti, or Ms. Stormy herself were proven liars. Stop the bad character slams against our president. Who are you to throw rocks? You know, oftentimes it's easier to just believe the, the tribal talking points than to think for yourself. But even the tribal talking points here, no one denies this. Even the president's team doesn't deny this. But even if they did, so you actually have the check that the president wrote. You have the Michael Cohen testimony. You say, okay, he's a liar. Uh, Stormy Daniels, okay, she's a liar. Avenetti, okay, he's a liar. David Pecker from National Enquirer. Um, I mean, is everyone a liar except the president? The president's the only honest person here who, by the way, has never denied this. Essentially, whoever this person is, is saying the president wrote a porn star $130,000 check uh, to not do anything with her. Uh, who's the bigger idiot there? The, the, the person who paid the money to keep the porn star quiet or the one who paid her $130,000 to do nothing? Maybe he's just very generous. Maybe this was a scholarship for her. But, I mean, the payment's not in dispute. We, we, we've got the paper trail. But, you know, it's easier to just believe what you read on the Internet than to think for yourself, I guess. The Cohen testimony, we'll get back to it. But I just it was a remarkable day today to I when President Bush was in the White House, I went a couple of times to the White House, got to meet Tony Snow there, who I had gotten to know while I was in law school, um, but it never had been in the private dining room. It was very, very nice. Uh, lunch was great. Uh, you know, I figure I'm I'm eating with the vice president. I'll look like I'm a grown-up. I'll have a Caesar salad with grilled chicken on top, and the vice president got the cheeseburger. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he, he did. We, we talked about motorcycles, but the vice president likes to ride motorcycles and is very jealous that my wife has a motorcycle, and the Secret Service does not like for him to ride motorcycles. I, I am always hesitant to get into conversations uh, with people like this, I will tell you the one bit of advice that I gave him because I've said it on radio, and that is that as he and the president move into campaign season, I hope they will not spend their time attacking the Democrats, saying how awful the country is going to be if the Democrats win, because I think Americans intuitively get it. What I think they need to focus on instead is how much better it's going to be with another four years of this administration. Paint the picture of what four more years with Donald Trump as president and Mike Pence as vice president will look like, as opposed to painting the picture of what it'll look like for the other side. Um, because the president has a track record he can run off and say what he's done and then build on that and say what he's going to do. But more importantly, if you hear the vice president, he's going to give a big speech to CPAC on Friday. And, and I, I suggested one thing. 
that he point out that this administration is the administration that does not believe it should regulate your access to the American dream and decide how much of the American dream you're allowed to have. And if you've exceeded your fair share of the American dream, you have to give it back. And I hope that they will take that message moving forward because that is the startling contrast with the Democrats now who believe that uh, they should regulate who has access to the American dream, punish those who have had too much access to the American dream, and deny others their right to the American dream based on identity politics. That more so than the fears of socialism. Listen, Republicans tried the fears of socialism stuff in 2018. And I don't think it worked very well. The Democrats took back the House of Representatives. Republicans were so busy telling people how bad it would be if Nancy Pelosi were Speaker, they never bothered to tell them how good it would be if Republicans stuck around and, and were in charge. And that, I think, is a fundamental problem. People ultimately want to vote for someone, not against someone. They want to vote for a vision, not against a vision. So give them something to vote for not just make it against insurer. I mean, go out of your way to point out they're socialist and they'll wreck the economy, but don't just say they're going to wreck the economy. Tell people how much better the economy will be if you stay in charge. Paint that vision. That that, that was the part of the conversation that I will tell you about. We we met for an hour and a half. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was very nice. Uh, it, it's kind of funny to be in the West Wing now. They make you turn in your cell phones. They give you like, I thought it was little mailbox slots to begin with, but it's not little mailbox slots. It, it's every little box has a key and you have to put your cell phone before you enter the, the West Wing, you have to put your cell phone in one of these boxes. And it looks like the, the old fashioned mailboxes, the brass, uh, little mailbox doors and they each have a little key. And so you, you lock it and you keep the the key in your pocket, it has a number on it, so you know which which mailbox you put your cell phone in. And, but you're not allowed to have your cell phone when you roam around the West Wing these days for security reasons. And, in fact, the vice president mentioned that they don't even let him have a cell phone anymore at all because of snooping from people, um, snooping from Chinese and others, I'm sure. Uh, but I know how to get in touch with him. Now, back to the Michael Cohen situation and, and his testimony today. Again, I, I don't know that it moved the needle. It certainly gave the media some salaciousness. Uh, but, you know, one of the things Cohen said was that he overheard the president talking to Roger Stone on speakerphone, and Roger Stone said that WikiLeaks uh, information was coming. Uh, he put that conversation sometime towards the middle to end of July 2016. There's a problem, though. WikiLeaks had announced a month prior that they had the information. It was public knowledge by then. So it's not like the president had access to any sort of secret information there. Um, and it just it, it kind of went down from the hill from there. One of the interesting bits, though, that I found was something I long suspected and turns out was true. Uh, let's play clip seven here of testimony from Michael Cohen before Congress. On January 17 of this year, the Wall Street Journal published a story stating that you hired John Gager, the owner of a consulting company who works for Liberty University in Virginia, to rig at least two online polls related to Donald Trump. Did you hire him? Those were back um, in, I believe, 2015? 2014. 2014. So you did hire him? Yes, I spoke with Mr. Gager about manipulating these online polls. And did he use bots to manipulate the poll? He used algorithms, and if that includes bots, then the answer is yes. Yes, that's accurate. Did the president have any involvement? Yes. In directing you to do this? Yes. What were the results of the poll? Exactly where we wanted them to be. In the CNBC poll, we came in at number nine, and the Drudge Report, um, he was top of the Drudge Report as well. Now, 
I have told you people since I started radio in 2011, never, ever believe online polls. And I would just like to say that Michael Cohen points out why you should never believe online polls. Uh, online polling is even less accurate than traditional polling. And, you know, I, I was telling people in 2015 and 2016, as we saw this this rise of the president, that a lot of it was artificial. Remember, if you go back to 2015, it's at this point undisputed, even by the Trump personnel, they were hiring people to make sure they had filled out the room at the Trump organization when he rode the escalators to announce his uh, run for the presidency. <laughs> I mean, this this was known. They admitted it. And now here comes Michael Cohen saying, in addition, they also rigged the polls. Um, but again, none of this changes anything. None of this, none of you who are listening today who dislike the president are going to suddenly like the president. And none of you who like the president are suddenly going to dislike the president. And everyone knows the president isn't someone of good character. Everybody already knows this, other than the one person who's emailing me denying the Stormy Daniels thing, the only person in America who's de who doesn't believe it, uh, an anonymous Twitter troll. But nobody else disputes this. And you know what? The Democrats don't have good character either. None of them do. They're politicians. They're liars. They're people of low moral character. And frankly, the, the biggest reason I've decided I can support the president in 2020 is I said character counted in 2016 and a hundred some odd million people disagree with me and voted for him or Hillary Clinton. If I want to stay engaged, the choices are, do I go with a Democrat who's okay killing kids or do I go with the president who I don't like his demeanor, but he's not in favor of killing kids or shutting down Christian small businesses or denying people the ability to have a federal appointment based on their faith or a host of other issues. Oh, and he's also not a socialist. I think I know where I'm standing in 2020. None of this changes anything. It just is a reminder that the president surrounded himself with awful people, and Michael Cohen really is an awful person. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Also, uh, Mark Aram is going to be on from 6 to 7 tonight, and then we're going to air Sean Hannity in Vietnam for a special time, 7 to 8.35 p.m., uh, followed by the UGA basketball game at 8.35. But this is big. The press conference overnight in Vietnam is going to be 3.50 a.m. So you're going to want to tune in to Scott Slade tomorrow morning for the latest. I'll be joining Scott as well at 8.15 tomorrow uh, as we explore what's happening in Vietnam. Right now, let's go to the phones. Joe and Marietta, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Joe. Hello. Hi there. Hello, Mr. Erickson. Uh, the rules in the Congress state that the Republicans should have been handed the information regarding questions and the rules. They didn't get those questions until, I think, late last night or early today. Can anything be done to control the way Congress is handling these questions? No, the Democrats are in charge, and frankly, the Republicans did the same thing to the Democrats. Uh, you, you know, honestly, I, I got to tell you, Hearing Republicans today say that having Michael Cohen there and running this dog and pony show is is a affront to the dignity of the Congress. Uh, these are the people who invited Diamond and Silk to testify before the House of Representatives last year. Um, let, let's this this is why it maintains some intellectual honesty here on both sides. Uh, Republicans now criticizing the Democrats for doing the exact same things the Democrats or they did to the Democrats last year. Uh, let's let's try to maintain some honesty and dignity here. 
Um, this this was the Democrats wanting to embarrass the president. When we come back, speaking of the president, he's in Vietnam. I'll bring you the latest. What's happening there? Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB in Atlanta's evening news. Hey, programming note for you. The president's press conference in Vietnam is going to happen at 345 in the morning. So you're going to want to tune into Scott Slade for the latest tomorrow. Uh, also, Sean Hannity will be coming up at 8 p.m. from or no, from 7 p.m. from Vietnam and Mark Aram at 6 o'clock. So fun-filled night. I'm coming to you from Washington, D.C. I will be back home tomorrow night. Uh, meeting uh, on Capitol Hill with Jody Heiss tomorrow. Have a video up on theresurgent.com tomorrow. Mark Meadows as well. Jim Jordan on tap for tomorrow. And met with the Vice President today. Hour and a half lunch with the Vice President in the West Wing. Uh, very, very, very nice lunch. Uh, kind of him to give me that much time. Uh, and looks like he'll be coming to the Resurgent Gathering in the first weekend in August in Atlanta. If you want to come, the price goes up very soon, so you better go on and get your ticket. You can text the word Atlanta to 345345 for the registration link. Uh, we'll get into David Ralston later if we have time. I'm sure he's thankful for Michael Cohen testifying today and the president of Vietnam because um, not talking about him, but frankly, the, there's no change. You need to keep telling your legislators to sign the David Clark resolution. We'll get into why people aren't signing that here in a bit. But for now, the president is in Vietnam. He's meeting with the North Korean dictator uh, Kim Jong-un uh, yesterday in um, in the Netherlands, 9,000 bottles of vodka were seized by port authorities in the Netherlands. Uh, the 9,000 bottles of vodka were hiding in an airplane fuselage on board a ship, uh, and it was suspected that the vodka was heading towards North Korea for Kim Jong-un and his generals, no doubt, to celebrate anything that happens in this conference. Uh, they will not be getting the vodka now. Of course, the Russian vodka company denies it had any knowledge that, that these bottles of vodka were headed to North Korea, saying they just assumed it was headed somewhere to South Korea. Whatever. Um, so not really sure what the president hopes to get out of his meeting today with the North Koreans. My sense, however is that the president is not going to change sanctions, that the president is not going to suddenly um, reduce sanctions on the North Koreans based on everything. And I didn't talk to the vice president about this, not, uh, nothing from him. Um, but my sense from talking to policy experts and those familiar with the president's thinking on North Korea is, is we're not going to abandon sanctions. Democrats are very fearful that the president is somehow going to abandon sanctions on North Korea, and he's not. Uh, what the president does think, though, is that we, we have this recurring pattern. I've talked about this on radio before, that the North Koreans, they saber-rattle. The U.N. imposes more sanctions. The North Koreans knock off the sanctions. The U.N. reduces the sanctions. The North Koreans say, hey, now we're starving because of the sanctions. Give us some money. 
So we give them money. Then they begin saber-rattling. Then their sanctions come back. Then they, they stop doing what they were doing, and the sanctions go away, and they say, hey, now we need some money. I mean, this goes back to George H.W. Bush's administration. Really escalated during Bill Clinton's administration. They did it during George W. Bush's administration. He, of course, was so distracted by dealing with al-Qaeda and, and the Middle East that, that he went along with this pattern and never really shook up the process. Uh, Obama exacerbated the process. And now Donald Trump, to some degree, honestly, this president is having to deal with the cleanup efforts from prior administrations. And, and the way he's doing it is to think differently on North Korea. I have a real problem with one of the things the president is doing, though. And you should, too. Uh, some of you won't because you you, you got to buy the tribal line here. But I, I got a real problem with one of the things the president is doing. But here's my problem with the president and how he's handling North Korea. The North Korean dictator is not only a dictator, but he is a ruthless thug who murders his people, who invites the nation, demands the nation show up at, at soccer stadiums while he ruthlessly destroys, butchers, blows up, and kills people who oppose him. He relishes the violence. He is a monster. When you look into the eyes of Kim Jong-un, you are looking into the eyes of evil. And that is not an exaggeration. And anyone who thinks it's an exaggeration should spend some time talking to the people who have fled North Korea, should spend some time looking at the videos uncovered of what goes on in North Korea. He is a monster. And our president, saying what a nice guy he is, patting him on the back, letting him stand next to the American flag, gives him a PR victory in North Korea, gives him something to use to perpetuate the regime and prop it up with more credibility than he deserves. I understand why President Trump is doing what he's doing in that he looks on the prior administration's having never gotten anything, as North Korea continued to make promises, break those promises, and advance its nuclear weapons program. But I see no signs that North Korea is going to stop its nuclear program now. In fact, the North Koreans have been essentially telling this president that unless we get off the Korean Peninsula, he's going to keep developing his nuclear weapons. I just have a real problem with us using our nation's prestige to give a monster a PR win. And I don't think there's any way to dance around that fact. Uh, I, I I totally appreciate the president wanting to think differently on this. I, frankly, uh, this part of the conversation I had with the vice president today was on this president thinking differently on Western Hemispheric affairs. I think it's a really good big deal that our president has reconsidered Western Hemispheric affairs and really helped other nations take a lead on this. I mean, the Lima Group, for example, the Lima Group is a group of Central and South American uh, countries that are set about intending to replace the regime in Venezuela. We are not even a member of that group. 
And one of the reasons we are not a member of that group and not taking a lead on the policy is because the president fundamentally understands, as does his entire administration, that if we directly involve ourselves in the Lima group and if we are the ones directly leading the action against Maduro, uh, that the Cubans, the Venezuelans, the Russians and the Chinese will use it as an effort to mobilize people against the Lima group and against the effort, saying this is all an American propaganda effort. This is all an American bullying effort. And we don't want that to happen. We actually believe that the regime needs to be changed. And it is vastly more important to the administration that it happen than that the president get credit for it. And, you know, this is working. And you look at the polling of Hispanic voters. It's certainly working with Hispanic voters. Democrats are starting to get worried that Hispanic voters are turning towards the president. And the president understands what it means to put American prestige on the line to change the regime. Now, the situation in North Korea is different. It is a cult of personality there. Uh, the people have been so brainwashed that they really they would never stand up to him. They would never overthrow him. But there's got to be ways that we can have these conversations without turning it into a PR effort for Kim Jong-un. That is, that's, that, that, that's my problem with it. The president's press conference will be at 345 in the morning. Uh, no one really knows what we're going to get out of this conference, by the way, and what we're going to get out of the summit. The president's team tells me they just believe that the president finds it important to continue talking to the North Koreans. And so that's what we're doing in Vietnam. Interestingly enough that we're doing it in Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese are actually looking to build stronger relationships with the United States. I know! I was surprised when I heard that as well. I had a foreign policy expert here in Washington explain this to me, that the Vietnamese are worried about the Chinese uh, stretching their legs in the South China Sea. The Vietnamese have fishing interests and other interests, and the Chinese are bullying them out of them for Chinese fishermen. Uh, they've also got border issues involving China, and, and so they're trying to find some allies. And for years, Vietnam was in the shadow of the Soviets and the Chinese communists, and now they're actually looking abroad, trying to make friends with us as best they can, which is... Wow, what a role reversal. 50 years makes a difference. We'll be back. I am delighted to welcome Harry's to sponsor this podcast. You know, Harry sponsors my radio show, too, and I've been a longtime customer of Harry's. I uh, started with uh, one of their competitors and decided I liked Harry's better. I liked their weighted handle. I liked the quality and construction of their blade. I felt like I was getting a real shave. And frankly, as somebody who tries not to shave every day just because of razor burn, I liked that I could go a couple of days. Harry's gave me such a close shave and didn't have to worry about it. And you don't have to worry about it either. Harry's replacement cartridges are just $2 each, and they bought a, a factory in Germany to turn out their razors. They make such good razors. They are cheaper than the name brands that you know, like the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. In fact, their razors blades are half the price. So look, right now, Harry's is giving you a great trial. If you go to harrys.com slash Eric. Get a $13 value trial set when it comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get rich, lathering shave gel. You get travel blade cover. Listers on my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash Eric. But make sure you go to harrys.com slash Eric to redeem your offer. And you know what? Let them know I sent you. Help support the show and get yourself a great shave. Thank you.
Hello there, friends. Go get my toothbrush. Not my toothbrush per se, but you know what I mean. Go get yourself a good toothbrush. And the best toothbrush I found is the Quip electric toothbrush. Now, you know, I've used the standard ones from the other companies. I even bought one of the really expensive electric toothbrushes. You know, the ones that have the tiny brush heads, but supposedly have all the best vibrations and stuff. And it was ridiculous to travel with because of just the charging situation and the fact that the brush head, it was so big, you actually couldn't get it to the back of your mouth to get your teeth clean. The Quip electric toothbrush is designed by designers with dentists. The American Dental Association likes it. And every three months, you get a new brush head for just $5. They even send you a new AAA battery to keep it going, so you don't have to uh, carry a charger around with you. I got it with me here in Washington, D.C. I like my toothbrush. You will, too. It's the Quip Electric Toothbrush. And to get it, you can go to getquip.com slash Erickson today. Your very first reef brush head refill will be for free if you go to getquip.com slash Erickson. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Erickson. I was tempted to carry it to the White House today because I knew I was going to eat a Caesar salad for lunch and was afraid because, you know, I've got those attachments for my braces. They're very annoying. And I knew I was going to have lettuce stuck to my teeth and the vice president was going to be staring at me while we talked with green all over my teeth because they stick to the attachments. But luckily, they didn't, thankfully. In any event. Now, let's see. How much time do I have? i got to do good time management. You know what? When we come back... We will get to the phones because I don't want to rush people on the phones. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So to get into the White House, you don't actually, if, you, if you're meeting with the president, you can go in right by the West Wing. But if you're meeting with the vice president's staff, uh, you go around to the old executive office building. It's now called the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, and it is my favorite building in Washington, D.C. The interiors of the of the Eisenhower Executive Office Building are probably the most beautiful in Washington, D.C. And what's so crazy is the stairwells have these, these beautiful stained glass domes. And during World War II, they were worried about the lighting and they were worried about Nazi flyovers, so they painted all of the domes black and they covered them over with false ceilings so no light could get out of them and they forgot about them during the war and after the war they were renovating the building and they realized that the ceilings they were fixing were false ceilings and when they took down the ceilings there are these beautiful dome stained glass windows in in the old executive office building beautiful um rooms that had been covered over it just it was gorgeous but we didn't meet there we met in the west wing uh just by the oval office in the situation room which is kind of cool setup you don't realize it's really cramped in the west wing there's not a lot of room in there Welcome back. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. It is Atlanta's evening news. State Representative David Clark says he's keeping up the fight to try to find more sponsors for the, his resolution to remove Speaker Ralston. Uh, behind the scenes, state legislators actually want to sign his resolution but so many of them have legislation they want passed, and they know the Speaker will kill it. But I don't think people realize the Speaker of the House uh, basically directs what legislation is allowed to get on the floor of the House. So, 
if you want legislation on the floor to get a vote, you got to stay in the Speaker's good graces. So there are a lot of people in the State House who don't like the Speaker, but they can't sign on the resolution. It's very much like the scene in The Wizard of Oz at the end where the uh, Witch of the West melts and all the people who worked for her, all the soldiers started cheering that she was melted. It's one of those situations. Uh, if the Speaker goes, uh, they'll all cheer, but until such time... Uh, they're going to serve as loyalists, which tells you, I mean, it, when the speaker the other day on, on the floor of the House said that he, he wasn't paranoid or he wasn't vindictive, uh, a lot of projection there because that's what everybody who works with him says about the speaker. Even those who cl- are close to the speaker say he's very vindictive and very paranoid. Uh, but David Clark says he's going to keep the fight. All I can tell you to do is keep talking to your representatives and make sure they understand that you will expect nothing less don't let them defend the speaker. I, I'm having people give me excuses that, oh, you know, it's not just his fault. It, it, it takes a long time to go to trial up there in, in, in North Georgia, and, and it takes forever, and they have so few trial days. You're the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and you practice law in North Georgia, and you know that people have a hard time going to trial, and you do nothing to fix it? Sounds like his constituent services work. There's no way he wins this argument. Either the Speaker is delaying trials... Uh, which he's doing, we know he's doing it, it's well documented. Or the situation up there is so bad, nobody can go to court, in which case he's the Speaker of the House and represents this area, and he's doing nothing to improve the situation. So either he's a terrible lawyer or he's a terrible representative. I mean, take your pick, which is it? Is he really bad at constituent services and and helping the people of North Georgia, or is he really bad helping his clients? I mean, when the defense of the Speaker is, well, he's the Speaker of the House, but he can't get a trial date because the judicial system up there sucks. Um, hello, I bet he knows someone who can improve that situation himself. By the way, I noticed that in the Speaker's continuances, um, the the Political Vine email pointed this out, that uh, the Speaker was continuing to list on his letterhead Months and months and months and months after one of his partners became one of the judges. That's the other thing. So one of his partners becomes a judge up there, and the speaker can't get a trial date. The, the, the boggles the mind. But he continued to have the guy's name on his letterhead, and, and the state bar rules seem to be pretty clear that you can't have a public servant's name on your letterhead for a prolonged period of time. And months and months and months and months after the person became a superior court judge, they're still on the letterhead. Uh, which cannot be. Sounds like there's a bar complaint in the making for the speaker yet again. Um, it, it just, it, it's crazy. Someone should introduce legislation to add to the number of judges that are up there since no one can apparently get trials up in North Georgia. Someone should represent those people since the speaker clearly isn't representing those people. Uh, just, wow. I mean, th- this essentially is the speaker's argument that he's a victim, not the person who claims she was raped. He's the real victim here. And he can't get a trial date because he's the Speaker of the House and and, and his law partners are now the judges and they just they won't give him a trial date. It's, it's not his fault. Uh, pay no attention to all of the continuances that he asked for. You got to keep your pressure on. Listen, they're, you got to understand they're scared of the Speaker. There are only about 10 of them who have the testicular fortitude to stand up to the Speaker. Think about that. Of all the members of the State House of Representatives, Democrats and Republicans, only 10 of them are willing to not outsource their sense of right and wrong to a bipartisan commission. Only 10 of them are willing to preserve their sense of right and wrong. Think about that. They're the ones standing up doing the right thing. You need to call your representatives. Don't accept excuses. Don't, don't accept them. 
You need to make them fear you more than they fear the speaker because right now they're scared. So take action. Y'all know what to do. Uh, take action. Talk to your state representatives. By the way, RIFRA has been dropped in the state Senate. Marty Harbin has uh, dropped the RIFRA legislation, uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's not going anywhere because of David Ralston. Keep that in mind. He'll kill it. Now, Jason in Atlanta, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, yeah, I have a. Um, I want to go back to uh, speaking about the president um, and all this going on with him. I, I have a problem with it all because. You sit here and you see the Democrats doing all this stuff. They can send uranium to Russia, for example. They can uh, manipulate the voting machines. They can do all this stuff. And they're the ones trying to call the same on the president over simple things. And I say simple things in a relative sense. When they're out here doing all this manipulation, buying people off and all that, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of it. I'm really getting tired of it. I don't care what the Democrats have to say unless there's a video out there showing something blatant. All I can think of is, wow, I wonder what they're trying to do now. I wonder what their game is now. I don't believe them, but what's their game? Well, look, I, I think right now Democrats understand they've got to convince independent voters uh, that the president's bad news and they should they should go with the Democrats in 2020. Uh, and part of this is they're also trying to lay the groundwork for impeachment. And part of this is... They know that the Mueller investigation is not going to give them what they want. Many of the Democrats want to impeach the president, and they know the only way to get what they want is to have dog and pony show hearings like this one with, again, they admitted there. Michael Cohen admitted he coordinated with the Democrats ahead of time on his testimony, and they're just trying to find a way for themselves to manufacture a case for impeachment that the Mueller investigators are not going to give them. Janey B would like y'all to know that it's 55 after the hour. <laughs> you know, Let's, I was wondering what the heck time it is. <laughs> Let's go back to the phone. Susan in Lithia Springs, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm having fun in Atlanta traffic. Oh, I bet so. Oh, yeah. 20 is backed up. Ugh. Anyway, I finally got to hear from my representative, Mr. Bruce, who told me that that resolution would not be coming for him to sign, that he didn't think that there were enough people signing it and he thought it was dead. <laughs> so b because there aren't enough signatures, he doesn't want to add his name. There, there's real leadership for you. Now, now, who, representative Bruce, what's his first name? Roger. Roger Bruce. Okay, okay. Yeah, so because only 10 people have signed so far, he's not going to sign. That That's not really leadership. No, that's kind of what I told him, that I thought, you know, it doesn't matter which party, just do what's right. And he didn't really have much to say about that. Oh, that's uh, not surprising, but uh, also disappointing. Susan, thanks very much for the phone call. Um, you know what? Keep pressure up. Make them sign. I mean, so this guy's admitting that if more people sign, he'll sign. So get more people to sign. Pressure them. Uh, tell them to put up or shut up. Don't outsource their sense of right and wrong to a committee.